Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And BJ, the NBA season has started. We have a lot of games going on, a lot of storylines. But we got to first and foremost talk about your Chicago Bulls, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference right now, BJ. How you feel about that? Let me take my victory out. Let me take my victory out. <laughs> you said they were going to be good this year. I believed you. Yeah, the, the Bulls have really improved mm. from a year ago. In particular, I know Zach Levine's been getting a lot of headlines. Lonzo Ball's been getting a lot of headlines. But DeMar DeRozan... Has been fantastic. He's been... This is the DeMar DeRozan back in Toronto. Yes. You know, some players are Eastern Conference players. Some players are Western Conference players. DeMar DeRozan is an Eastern Conference player. Mm -hmm. And he's really settled back in. I think there's something about, even though he's a California kid, there's something about the cold weather that he enjoys. And it's <laughs> going to get cold up there in, yes. in Chicago for sure. But he has really settled in. A phenomenal win last night by the Bulls on, a, I think, a 19-point comeback in Boston. In Boston, yeah. I mean, and in TD Garden. It's a, it's, that was a great, great win, great effort. But DeMar DeRozan. You know, he's playing like an all-star, mm. and he deserves a lot of credit. But give the Bulls credit. They've been playing great basketball, and right now we're going to enjoy every moment of it because uh, we know what's on the other side of success. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always peaks and valleys, but I think that's you know the interesting part, PJ, because I wanted to kind of run through some of the surprises and, and some teams that have shocked us early on in the season. And obviously Chicago's at the top of the list, like I said, the number one seed uh, in the Eastern Conference. When you look at the Western Conference, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I saw Stephen A. Smith the other day, not to get into the hot take pool, but I, I saw he said that he thought that the Warriors were the favorites to win the title um, at this whoa, point. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Yeah, Fighters, so that might be a stretch. Can you give us <laughs> some sound effects? Pump the brakes. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, 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 rap air horn, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now... He said, "What? Say that again, because something didn't sound right in my uh, my head." Uh, and I saw I saw a little clip out of this. I did not watch the full conversation, but apparently he said that in his mind, so far in the season, the Warriors are the favorites. Uh, you know, heading in uh, again, we're only seven eight games into the season, so I think it was just uh, uh, an overreaction to say the least. But the Warriors right now, the number two seed in the Western Conference behind the Jazz, they are both five and one right now at the top of the West. Have you been impressed with what you've seen for the Warriors? I've been impressed, but I haven't immediately jumped back and said, hey, this is the dynasty that we saw from 2015 on. I want to be very careful what I say here. First okay. of all, do I understand, in the words of one of my mentors back in Detroit, it's overstood now. Mm -hmm. The Golden State Warriors are three-time world champions. They get it. They know how to play good basketball. Yes. I can't be surprised when the Golden State Warriors win a regular season game. Ladies and gentlemen, the Golden State Warriors, if it's one thing they know how to do is win basketball games. Mm-hmm. 73 wins. You can't forget. Okay. Okay. So I'm not impressed with that. I've come to expect that. What I would be surprised is, surprised is if they didn't win regular season games. Okay. Steph Curry, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the all-time greats. Steph Curry, by himself, should be able to win games in the NBA because of the talent that he is. Mm -hmm. Steph Curry is going to command 
not a double, not a double team or double coverage. You're going to need an entire team to guard him in some capacity because there are stretches during the game where he can actually take over a game for a quarter or two or an entire game. He's had 25 points in a quarter already this season. We saw that. Yes. Okay. So am I surprised that the Warriors are off to a hot start? No, I'm not. (laughs) What I would be surprised, though, is if the Warriors are able to sustain this pace through an entire 82-game schedule. Because at some point, as great as Steph Curry is and has been and will continue to be, he is human. And he is going to tire out at some point because the way he plays, he utilizes a tremendous amount of energy. Yes. I mean, he's, he's on the constant movement. Now, do I think he could do this for 45, 50 games and come out victorious? Yes, I do. I, I, I really do. Because if there's one thing we know about him, he understands the game as mm-hmm. well as anybody. Right? He plays the game at, at the highest of the highest level. Intellectually, physically shooting and you and gave those. him the highest compliment you compared him to tim duncan i mean he has that kind of impact on leadership yeah he is he has leadership he's a pros pro all of those things now unlike tim duncan where tim duncan cannot feel good one day or could not feel good he could bump and grind a little bit and just play like a big and mm-hmm. still be have an uh, impact mm-hmm. steph curry can't do that if steph curry doesn't feel like he has his legs today that's going to significantly impact the way he plays, the way the team plays, so forth and so on. I just don't think it's I don't think it's possible for him to be able to play this way for an 82 game schedule plus the playoffs. That's what I, I don't think it's sustainable. But it's fun to watch. Steph Curry, mm-hmm. when you say fun factor, he's 10 plus. Mm-hmm. He does things you go, "Wow, how did he do that?" Like I just watch him now as a former athlete and go, this guy can just shoot. I mean, he just lights out. I mean, there's nothing else you can say to describe how tremendous of a shooter he really is. And I don't think anyone who hasn't played doesn't understand the difficulty and how difficult the shots he's making. I mean, they're under duress. It's not like we don't know he's out on the floor. It's not like they're saying, well, let's see if he's hot tonight. He's hot the moment he opens his eye. I don't even think he has to open his eye. He just, he's just, the guy can put the ball in the basket. And he's going to be in the MVP conversation, of course, if he continues to play like this. And right now, a lot of people are saying to me, he was the Western Conference player of the week in the first week. But another player that a lot of people thought may have deserved that award is one of your favorite players, BJ. You are the guard guru, and you love John Moran. And number 12... He's on a tear so far this season. He is. He's making a statement. He's getting Derrick Rose comparisons, and he's able to manipulate and control the game. Right? You can see him growing more into that role as he gets older, uh, you know, and grows into this game. So, what have you seen from Ja so far that you like? Well, what I love about Ja is I want to say this here. There's always a debate on who is what, right? You know, mm-hmm. who's the greatest center? Who's the greatest player? You know, the goat question you know I, I my son just everything's a goat to him you know what I mean mm-hmm. I, I think the guy is a goat right you know, everything's <laughs> a goat he this is the goat steak this is the goat fish whatever yes. he, he's eating yes. everything's a goat <laughs> do you well, remember BJ say, once upon a time when the goat was the bad person like the person that let everybody down you know yeah, that was the goat? <laughs> I, I, I'm old enough to remember I lived through that so I'm going to say this John Morant without question is the best point guard in the NBA. 
He's the best point guard. I didn't say he's the best guard. I didn't say he's the best lead guard. He's the best point guard. He's the best point guard in the NBA. Now, I'm not sure how to define Steph Curry. I'm not sure how to define Damian Lillard. I'm not sure not sure how to define Kyrie Irving when he returns back to play. Mm. Those guys are some type of hybrid guard of today where, you know, I guess we can call them a lead guard, right? They play the position, but we don't really know. Dame Lillard, and, yeah. And I don't really know what they are. Mm-hmm. But when you say a point guard, a distributor, an organizer, a facilitator, can rally the troops, you know. Can like score a, when you have to score, score I and mean, all that sort of stuff, do, yeah. He's the best. He's the best right now in the NBA. He breaks down the defense. He does everything. He's just a traditional point guard in every sense, but an exceptional athlete. And when I tell you, there's a game I already got circled on my calendar. LaMelo Ball versus John Morant. I think mm. it's November 11th, if I, if, I, if I have it correctly. I want to watch this game because LaMelo is a fun player. But I know John Morant. Is trying to destroy anything and everything that's in front of him. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to this game because the lights are going to be bright. And that's the one thing I'm going to give LaMelo Ball has shown early in his career. He doesn't he doesn't shy away from the bright lights. They are playing well, the Charlotte Hornets. Yep, 5-3 ja right now. John ja Morant is, is playing exceptional basketball as well as anyone in the NBA. And you know I'm a huge fan of John ja Morant since he entered into the NBA. So I can't wait for that. You know, you know, you call me the guard guru. <laughs> I love me some bigs, but I understand them guards. Mm. And John Morant, he's the best right now at the position. Yeah, I think it would be good for LaMelo, too, to see how John, you know, is able to control the game and run the game. I mean, LaMelo is a flash of talent, like you said, and I think he's still growing into that role of being the, the point guard, right? I mean, that that is... It takes time, and it takes a lot of understanding, and it takes a lot of gameplay to really get there. The Hornets are having a lot of fun. They beat the Nets earlier this year in Brooklyn, BJ. That was a big win for them. I want to talk about right. the Nets. I want to talk about the, the Celtics. Some of the teams that traditionally we've, we've thought about as the contenders in the Eastern Conference, they've had some, some bumps early on in the season. The Celtics much more so than the Nets. Uh, you mentioned the, the Bulls coming back in Boston last night. After the game, Marcus Smart came out and said that you know they have to pass the ball all the teams are keyed on uh you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and it's on them to learn to facilitate he kind of kind of just made that point known out to the world I mean what what have you seen with the Celtics I mean that that they're obviously got a new coach Brad Stevens bumps up to the front office it's just a lot of moving parts there in Boston and obviously not the results that they want as a fan base or you know as a team well you know take there's been a lot of change in the NBA and I'm going to get to your question here but I want to point something out that's going to get to your question you know there's been a lot of chit chatter in the first week or so in the NBA about the non-fouls that are being called in particular with James Harden inability to get to the free throw line Trey Young's inability now to get to the free throw line and a number of players Dame Lillard I mean yeah yeah who've been who hasn't had the opportunity to get to the free throw line and it's interesting to watch the game revert back to how it should have been played. It never should have left there. Yeah, it, 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 you know, I, I saw a lot of Steve Kerr talking about this, coaches saying the, that it looks like basketball well, again. It, the game never should have left there. 
But it's always interesting how things always revert back to its essence. And for us basketball fans, and particularly here at Pushing Through, we always love the playoffs because it always reverts back to the game itself. Mm-hmm. You know, the regular season is the regular season, but the playoffs, the games always revert reverts back to its essence. It's a physical game. You know, it's a game that requires you to execute, especially in the half court. And suddenly the rules committee had a brilliant idea. They said, let's get back to that during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Bravo. <laughs> Bra- <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all of these guys suddenly had this epiphany of we're going to get back to the game, to the essence of the game. Now, what does that have to do with the Celtics? The Celtics and Jason Tatum is a he's a he's a walking bucket. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brown, clearly he's had I, I think a forty or fifty point game if I remember. Yeah, forty six oh, points. Yeah, yeah, something early in the season. But the way that you affect winning is you have to defend, you have to rebound, and you have to share the ball. Both of those guys are interesting when I watch because I watched that game last night. Is they both score, but neither one of them really. They don't score and they don't command a double team. Like Jason Tatum scores, but it's always one-on-one. He's dribbling around, doing his thing, and he scores. Same thing with Jalen Brown. They don't score from what we call in in NBA terms an operating area. Mm. They score like in ways where it's it's always like, you know, they're just kind of running around scoring points. But it's not like in the flow of the game with the it, rest yeah, of the, with the other it, team. If that makes it, sense. No, you know? I, I get you. It's kind of peripheral, and it, and it yeah. seems like you know it's adding up in the end, but it's not within the game. Yeah. Yeah. So I think with this rules change, suddenly now you can see that when you the game now when it's called like this doesn't reward that type of play. I think that's what the Utah Jazz have to understand. There's the regular season. And then there's the postseason. And I think the, the Jazz are going to have to figure out how to play and have this balance between postseason basketball and regular season basketball. And that's what I see with the Celtics. The interesting thing about how we started this conversation was with the, with the Chicago Bulls. DeMar mm-hmm. DeRozan is known for his mid-range. DeMar DeRozan plays playoff basketball during the regular season. That's the difference. Jason Tatum, if I were coaching Jason Tatum, and I'm going to say because I'm a, I love Jason Tatum and I and I love Jalen Brown, is instead of working on your offensive execution, meaning step backs, step sides, or whatever it is they're doing, work on catching the ball in the operating area so that the other four guys can play alongside you, and you can affect the game. Mm-hmm. Because right now, when you watch them play. They're just playing one on they just take turns playing one-on-one basketball. And it's interesting for me to watch them play because both of them are terrific scorers, but no team in the league ever comes to double team them. It's almost like they're they're fine to let them go ISO and, and get their points. Yeah. It, it, it's it's they not only have one guy, they have two guys. I was watching after that game last night, I, I just happened to turn on Oklahoma and the and the Clippers. And by the way, I'm a huge Giddy fan now. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he is a sleeper he, for rookie he, of the year. He, yeah, Giddy is is, is I, I I'm I'm a huge Giddy fan now, but it was interesting how the Clippers, okay, Ty Lue made a decision to start doubling Shea Alexander, mm-hmm. and I thought that's interesting. Like Shea is commanding a double team versus a really good player in Paul George. Where they just came out and doubled. But you never see that with the Boston Celtics on a consistent basis. And they have two all-stars. And I think that is the problem with those two players is, yes, they have all-star talent. But the next step in their game, the evolution in their game, is to learn how to catch the ball in an operating area so that the ball so the defense creates, has to double, so they have double, to acknowledge double. it, and that opens so now, up for everybody and, else. And then we can go to them in isolations as needed. Mm-hmm. They play isolation basketball for 48 minutes. You know, we had a saying there in Chicago, it's not time yet. We, we never, we tried to play for 44 minutes before we would let Michael go into isolation. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Can the Celtics win without playing isolation basketball? I think that's what Marcus Smart is saying because no one can argue. Both of those players are terrific players. But if we could catch them the ball in the, in the heart of the defense where they can command a double team and it could be in the operating area, meaning, meaning on the post or at the elbow, then the other four guys can continue to have what's called ball movement, player movement, and then now it's a balance because both of those guys should be able – to draw a double team based on how many points they both score. And you mentioned the foul rule because I think that's continue will continually be discussed as we, you know, evolve into this season and the top of the Eastern Conference has a lot of similarities. You mentioned de- defense and rebounding. I mean, the Bulls, the Heat, the Knicks, the Sixers. That's what they pride themselves on at some level. I mean, all those teams and now that the top 4 seeds in the East. I want to talk about the Sixers a little bit because Yes. Last night no Joel Embiid. They have the Trailblazers coming to town. No uh, Ben Simmons. Let's no Ben that. Simmons. No Tobias Harris. Yes. Uh, so your big three that you're used to seeing in the Sixers uniform, they're not playing in this game. Dane Lillard, C.J. McCollum, they come to town. They need a good win on the road. And Andre Drummond uh, comes in and steps up for this team for the Sixers. Tyrese Maxey has a really solid game. Uh, Seth Curry has a really good game. And the Sixers get a really, really good win. And again, they're a top four seed without Ben Simmons touching the floor yet. So we have to give Doc and this team a lot of credit, right, PJ? Well, you have to. Doc Rivers, you know, knowing Doc, Doc is a competitor. Mm-hmm. He's always been, you know, he was, he was feisty as a player. He's <laughs> feisty as a coach. And Doc Rivers, I'm sure, wouldn't mind me saying this. Doc really enjoyed that win last night. Because it lets you know Doc Rivers is one of the elite coaches in the NBA. Make no doubt about it. Now, I know Mm -hmm. he's received a lot of criticism for not winning the championship. Think about this. He's getting criticized for not winning the championship. But you cannot deny he's one of the elite coaches. And he, again, continues to show you why he's one of the elite coaches. That was a great win last night. Mm-hmm. Without, you know, without question, two All-Stars. And Tobias Harris, if he's not an All-Star, he's right there. He's probably the best player, him and Jamal Murray, who, are, who haven't been named All-Stars yet. So Doc Rivers 
is continuing to coach in the chaos. And you know I love chaotic situations. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. That's why I wanted to ask you about this. You yeah. know I love this. When I see chaos and you can function in the dysfunction of the NBA, that does it for me. Doc mm-hmm. Rivers is coaching in the most dysfunctional situation right now, and he's thriving in it. He loves it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And there's rumors that Simmons could come back. They're, they have the 11 of the next 13 and, games on the road. And here's the thing. There's all these things swirling on around him. Doc Rivers, right? Mm-hmm. There's the Ben Simmons. Joel Embiid's in and out of the lineup. There's so much going on right there in Philly. But somehow they've pieced this together. They get Andre Drummond. Andre Drummond has the, the game of games coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. And we keep saying this in the media. And this is what makes me laugh about Philadelphia. Every time I hear the headlines, I just always laugh at myself. If Ben Simmons comes back, they can win the championship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, a t- they're a title team if Simmons think comes back. It. They were the one seed last think, year. Think about this. If he comes back, they can win the championship. <laughs> now, this is one of Doc Rivers' And I want to say it here. This and is now you have great. that selling point to Ben, right? At this yeah. point, I mean, you're just this, saying, this, look who we are without you, Ben. If you if you insert yourself, we are no doubt one of the top two or three well, teams in the title. you know what? You know what I think they're really saying? I think the team is saying, you know, I always go back to these lessons I learned as a player because, you know, when they, people say things when you're younger, you just, you know, you think it's like old people just saying things. And then all of a sudden, when you get older, you go, God, that was so true. <laughs> you know, everybody is, everybody is expendable. Everybody. And mm. if I was Ben Simmons right now, my feelings would be hurt. Now my feelings would be hurt if I was Ben Simmons because they are winning without him. And I'm going to say this. Once you begin to see that a team can win without you you have to realize the following what is my contribution to this team but more importantly how am i going to fit into this group Mm -hmm. because the group has spoken the group has spoken now okay this go i remember i remember phil jackson having a little dust up between shaq and kobe and Phil Jackson's response was like, I thought it was one of the most funniest responses. They go, they go Phil, what are you going to do? Phil goes, this is sandbox material. I'll let those guys figure it out. But what he was really saying was, I'm going to let the team decide what it wants to do. No one's talking about this, but we need to talk about it for two minutes here. The Philadelphia 76ers team has spoken. No one should be bigger than the team. That's what makes a superstar. Because the star who understands the concept of team has a phenomenal opportunity to be the leader of the best team. Provided he understands team. The moment he he thinks it's him and the rest, it never works. Mm -hmm. The team of the Sixers has spoken. They're the only one that should be talking of what's going on there in Philly, but all of us are talking about it. <laughs> Joel Embiid is one member of the team. He's probably, well, he's probably, he's the best player on the team. 
But he can't speak for the team because last night the team spoke and they said very clearly, we got some good players here. We can compete. Doc Rivers believes in that team. And they went out and did it without Joel Embiid, without Ben Simmons, without Tobias Harris. Now, I'm not saying they can sustain it, but they believe they can do it. And it was a message. Key. It was yeah. a message. And now this puts the pressure on all these other guys to say, you know what? Hey, man. Either I'm going to come in and fit in or because that was a big win for them. I just think Ben Simmons now has an opportunity because the team is saying, hey, man, life is going to go on with or without you. Clearly, we would be better with you. Clearly. I want to make that clear. Clearly. Mm -hmm. But it's unfortunate that they have to go down this path because I would love to see the Philadelphia 76ers with the growth of these young players with Ben Simmons than without him. Yeah, you talk about that second unit. It's always felt like Philly's looking to, to build out that, that bench unit. And that bench unit is set. And they have a lot of guys that can come in and have an impact. And you throw three all-stars with some of those impact players like a Maz and, I mean, you know, Seth Curry and Matisse Thibault. I mean, they have a lot of talented guys that can make an impact. So they're a fascinating team. I mean, I think the Heat are fascinating to me because of what they've been able to do so far right. this season. I think that they have, uh, you know, obviously they have six guys that can really make an impact. And Tyler Hero seems to be back playing like he was in the bubble Tyler so far. Tyler Hero. That's, that's, that's Tate's hero. <laughs> no, no, no. There's hope for you, Tate. There's hope for you, Tate. <laughs> Tate, there's hope uh, for you. You're like, I, I mean, he's the like new this. Rex Chapman, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, the next one, you know. Oh, <laughs> I, I, love, I love Rex. You know, I, I love me some Rex Chapman. You know, Rex is great friend of the show. Good friend has a terrific, terrific. He he understands social media. Yeah, he got like, Twitter somehow. You yeah, know, there's he, some people that just get it, and get Rex it, somehow he, got he, it. Yeah. He, Rex gets it. He gets the joke. And um, <laughs> so if you, if you if you need a good laugh, go check out Rex Chapman. He has he just has great stuff. So yeah, um, we got to get into that. Uh, speaking of Rex, uh, you know, let's talk about um, you know one of his teams, obviously the Miami Heat. Um, you know, quickly, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Jimmy Butler wins player of the week. He's been great defensively. I think these rule changes have helped the Miami Heat. I'm going to be honest with you with PJ and Jimmy and Bam. They've been a very physical team so far, uh, especially on the defensive end. And, and, and right now they're obviously the two seed in the Eastern Conference and bouncing back and looking more informed than they did last year. Well, you know, Coach Spo, you know, he, this, this guy just continues to grow and evolve as a coach. And watching his team play this year, they seem to be playing like a team that was built with the rule changes in mind. Mm -hmm. You know, what I love most about Coach Spo is how he gets these guys to buy in to their role. And Bam is the latest. You know, Bam was at one point, they were playing through Bam to suddenly now Bam is playing like a big now. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even know Bam had guard skills. And then now he's back to playing like the Bam I saw him in college and in high school. So he's playing big boy basketball now. Mm -hmm. And the physicality of the game, I think, is going to favor a team that can play when the game slows down. They can do that with Jimmy Butler. They can do that with Kyle Lowry. They can do that with Bam. 
and they have shooters and spacers on the floor. You know, Tyler Hero is a wild card. I I love playing or watching guys play who are just a wild card, like Lou Will. Yeah, Lou see. Will, exactly. Like, like let's see if you're Jamal Crawford. Them. Yeah, I mean, Jamal those type Cra- of guys. Those guys, you know what? They have the ultra green light. They just, if they got it going, no one else on the 30. team. Yeah. And, and this is what I love about those guys. No one else on the team plays the way they play other than that guy. You know, like Tyler Hero takes a bad shot and you go, that's just Tyler. But no <laughs> one else can do it. Everyone else has to take their, their, their shots that they know they can make. But Tyler Hero and Jamal Crawford and Lou Will and those type of guys, you know, and the team respects that, right? That's kind of like the role that we all wish Jordan we could Clarkson. Have. He's doing yeah, that now. Yeah, with Jordan Utah. Clarkson is another guy has has seeped into that into that rare space where you know what? It's like everyone else, and then those guys. <laughs> so Tyler Hero now is one of those players, and when he has it going, it's great. He's like a wild card. He's he's kind of like as you guys say, he's the, he's the cheat code now. He comes in, he may get you twenty five. But he also may get you, you know, in trouble. Yeah, he may, but but he's going to give you something, you know. Yeah. Like, you know, as a coach told me once, he said, you know, make me take you out of the game. <laughs> make me. Tyler Hero's job is to make Coach Spo take him out of the game. Hey, you didn't have it tonight. Like, come sit down with me. But mm-hmm. if you got it going, we're gonna ride you, big fella. So he's playing terrific. Their roles playing terrific, and I'm going to say this. P.J. Tucker, he's a winning player. He is. He is. I, I feel like the, Tucker, Buc- the Bucks are really going to miss P.J. when we P. get back J. to the PJ Tucker playoffs. is a winning player. And for all the young players out there and young coaches, you can't ever miss a winning player. Because P.J. Tucker embodies everything you want to have with the team. Every loose ball he gets, every defensive assignment he takes, and he plays the game with a level of physicality and his leadership in things that we can't see in the locker room must be at the highest level because wherever this guy goes, he impacts winning. And I should not be surprised. I know Kyle Lowry and these guys are getting the headlines, Jimmy Butler, but PJ Tucker was a quiet pickup that no one's talking about. And he's really made an impact there. And he's he's shifted the power. You know, there's kind of like a, a an underground rivalry between the Bucks and the Heat that that seemed to be going on. You know, they get swept in the bubble. Right. The Bucks come back and sweep them this year, and then they steal PJ away from the Bucks. And he was a big part of that team's identity, especially right. as, as we got into the playoffs. I, so. I, I, I but there, there's one thing I'm, I I hope the Bucks meet. I hope the Bucks meet the Heat in the playoffs deep mm-hmm. in the playoffs because I want to see PJ Tucker's approach to having to try to defend Giannis. Yeah, me too. Like what he did to Kevin. Yeah. And the reason I want to see that is because if anyone knows Giannis, it would be him. And I just want to see his approach because I haven't seen a successful individual defend Giannis yet. I've seen, we've seen teams. I've, I've yeah. Seen we've seen teams. Nick nurse. Yep. I've seen teams put together a game plan against him. But I haven't seen an individual yet. And I would love to see P.J. Tucker's approach to having mm-hmm. to try to defend Giannis, even if it's possible. So, you know, give, I just want to make sure that, you know, here the star players are the stars, but the role players are stars here too. Yep. We make, this is where we make stars of the game. Mm. 
Well, there you have it. I think we should end it there. I mean, we could talk about the Lakers if you wanted to, but, you know, they're the four seed. They seem to, seem to have some figured some things out. Carmelo yeah. Anthony shooting 52% from the three-point line, so that's good for the Lakers. But, <laughs> well, you know, you know we could, there'll be a, there's going to be a lot of times to talk about the Lakers, but I want to say this. Let's talk about it why it's good, because I'm sure we're going to have some, we're going to have some, some down moments in this season. Right now, it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you make shots... Everything looks good. Everything looks good. When you make shots. Now, Carmelo's averaging 17 points per game on 52% from three and 50% from the field right now, BJ. He's the he's the best spot-up three-point shooter in the NBA so far. Okay. I, I want to do this for Melo right now, okay? He's, he is on a tear. Let's be honest. Melo, you know, I want to say this about Carmelo. Carmelo, and I, I want to give him a lot of credit here. Well, Carmelo has about, what, 25,000 points in his career or something mm-hmm. like that? Mm-hmm. Ninth all-time, just past Moses Malone. You know, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to go from the number one guy to the number two guy to the number three guy to suddenly now you're the sixth man. And this is where I want to give Carmelo credit. And I want to I give him his flowers now. Carmelo, without question, is a Hall of Famer first ballot, had a Hall of Fame career. The fact that he has figured out how to play as a star role player now, that, that, that I want to give him credit for that because that's not that's not an easy thing to do. It's an ego check, really. I mean, it's a, it's a, a lot. It's an ego check because if you ask Carmelo in a pickup game, Carmelo is as good on the offensive end as half of these guys who are star players in this league today. Mm-hmm. If you just said offense, I ain't, I'm not saying the entire game now, but if you just said offense, if I gave Carmelo 30 touches, he would average 25 plus still to this day. Mm-hmm. Now there's more to the game than just scoring, but Carmelo knows is this one thing he knows he can do is score that basketball. So I want to give him credit for figuring out his role in this league as is. And without question, because we are in an analytics age, we're going to do a little analytics here. <laughs> He's outperforming the minimum. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, okay. Yeah, let's just okay. be honest. Let, let's, yeah. Now, let's, we always talk about. He needs well, a brand deal. You know what well, I mean? Someone needs to pay this man. We, we always talk about, you know, what we don't like about the analytics. But let's talk about the numbers here. Carmelo Anthony is outperforming. That minimum contract. You're getting max out of the minimum right there. Okay. So, shout out to Carmelo for understanding the game. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the game of basketball. The game. Mm -hmm. And he's figured it out. And the way he's playing now, he looked like he can do this for another four or five years. because he's And and he's going to get paid more for it because he's putting up the numbers right now. Well, let's hope. Because you know what? He deserves to. He he deserves to. And he's figured out how to be a very, very good role player. And he is now, let's put it out here first. He should be in the six man of the year conversation mm-hmm. right now. I he agree. He should be in there. So, yeah. shout out well, to Carmelo. And then now we won't feel bad when other things start going the other way. Now we, 
we we balance the equation. We we balance the equation. I do think it is really cool that you know when you look at the Knicks, you got D Rose as the six man there, and right. then when you look at the Lakers, you have Carmelo Anthony as the six man there, and they yeah, both can have such an impact. And, and I mean, it's kind of like you you talked about an X factor um, or a wild. They're, they're X factors, wild cards, whatever you call. It. They could swing a game having that kind of talent and that kind of basketball knowledge coming off the bench. So wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. That would be a cool NBA Finals when you say that. Mm-hmm. The the New York Knicks versus the L A Lakers. That would, yeah. that, that would that people would, be, would be, people would be tuned in. That, that, that would be, be that that would that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. But you know, hey, Tibbs is doing well. Number three in the East right now. Yeah, bad loss last night. Bad loss last night to the. It's all right to the Toronto. The, Ra- Raptors. the Raptors did something. Uh, Nick Nurse. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about the coaches. Nick Nurse does such a good job with in-game adjustments and what he was able to to kind of do last night with the athleticism of the Raptors versus the Knicks. I mean that that was pretty impressive. So, uh, but you said it. It was a bad loss, but I think the Knicks are going to bounce back. They're a good team. They're a fun team. I think R.J. Barrett he takes a lot of pride on the defensive end. I don't talk nicely about Duke guys, B.J. too often, but I like how R.J. plays. I'm really surprised you are saying something nice right now. So I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> hey, well there you have it. This has been pushing through. B.J. Anything else before we get out of here? Winning water, my friend. We got to make waves. We will see you later in the week. <laughs>